The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome. I am your host, uh, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks newsletter, which has had a very good record, I, I'm proud to say, so far this year. And uh, since 2000, actually, we've uh, been able to beat the S&P 500 very handily. Uh, since 2000, a $1,000 investment in my hypothetical model portfolio would have grown to over 2200 by the end of last week. And that compares with the S&P 500, which actually would have lost a lot of money. $1,000 has actually shrunk to $604 since January of 2000. Uh, in other words, my model portfolio has, is worth about 3.7 times more than the S&P 500 now if you had started with even amounts of money in the year 2000. So far this year, we're doing well, too. We're up 45% uh, in our hypothetical model portfolio. The uranium stocks are remaining on a tear. They're up 115% so far this year. Speculative junior gold mining stocks, that's the sector that Bob Hoy has suggested would be the hot one, is doing extremely well. We're up 76% on average so far this year. Producing gold stocks, not quite as good at 43% up. Oil and gas stocks are up 51%. Not bad there, and that's a bit of a surprise along with the uraniums for me uh, so far this year. So clearly we're doing something right here uh, in our newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, but we're not resting on our laurels, that's for sure. I'm really very, very concerned about what could happen later in the year. I really take Dr. Robert McHugh's um, warnings of a cataclysmic, nation-changing sea wave down very seriously, and I believe my partner Roger Wiegand does too. There's no guarantees in life for sure, except two things, of course, and we know what they are. They're death and taxes. But that is what Dr. McHugh uh, really has been concerned about, this sea wave down, and and, folks, you have to pay attention to Dr. McHugh because he's been spot on for a long time. Um, I will address my concerns about how we should face this sea wave down in the last segment of this show. Uh, 
the purpose for turning hard times into good times is to give you uh, the real cause of our economic depression. And I think there's no doubt that we're in a depression. The U.S. GDP was down 6.3% the start uh, the first quarter of this year. Japan down 15.2%. Mexico down 21%. Germany down 14%. These are huge contractions of GDP of wealth. How do we protect ourselves against this uh, th this decline, this economic decline? And my thesis and the reason for creating this show was that we need to understand the real reasons for what is going on in the economy, not the reasons that the the self-serving reasons that the ruling elite are giving you on the mainstream in the mainstream media. So in our first show, we had Ed Griffin. Ed Griffin told us about the Federal Reserve. Who created it? Who owns it? And why was it created? And you should read his excellent book, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, for sure. And Ed told us, in fact, that a handful of people own, control, devise the central bank to protect the banking interest, essentially. And so it should come as no surprise, knowing that, that taxpayers are now being enslaved into the future to bail out the banking interest. Alan Greenspan himself acknowledged that the gold standard stands in the way of government corporate bailout scams. And so this is what we have right now. Today our special guest is Chris Powell of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. And Chris will document the fact that the gold markets have been and are continuing to be manipulated for the interest of the ruling elite. And we'll be talking to Chris in the middle of this program today. Uh, before we get to Chris, however, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Roger Wiegand and Lena Monasaridis. Uh, uh, both of these folks are here today to talk about what I think is one of the most important markets to keep your eyes on right now, and that is the U.S. Treasury market. Uh, Martin Weiss has said over the last uh, few days uh, that he thinks that we're facing uh, a huge problem that we're ready to see the Treasury markets implode. Yet when I look at the long-term chart of the long bond, um, you know, dating back to 1982 or so, we're still in the within a channel, within a long bull market channel of the bond market. Whether we are going to see a turnaround, a secular bear market in bonds is extremely important in my view. Uh, in part because I think we can make a lot of money if we get it right and we're on the short side of the bond market when this happens. So I'm here now with, uh, I've got Lena with me and Roger. Lena, I'd like to get your idea. What do you think about the long-term bond market? Are we nearing the time, are we nearing a secular bear market in U.S. Treasuries? And then I want to ask Roger the same question. Sure. Hello, Jay. It's great to be back. Um, by looking at the chart, because uh, I will talk about uh, the uh, U.S. Treasuries um, technical-wise and fundamental-wise, uh, technically we are still, as you said correctly, within the um, after channel. Uh, however, I, in my view, there was a false breakout um, out of that channel briefly, and now we are back in the channel. Well, that means that there is further downside to be following, and that might be in a few months to come or until the end of the year. And fundamentally, I believe that at the moment, uh, investors are very confused either way. One thing is for sure, though, that because of uh, recession and because of the situation the U.S. economy is at the moment, and the government uh, has this huge debt, um, to deal with, um, it, it's got two possibilities that they want to resolve this. Either they're going to uh, borrow money from willing lenders like China, Japan, and all the others, and that will force the yields up and therefore the treasuries down, 
or if they're going to um, monetize the debt um, by printing money. And if they are starting to print money, then that means higher inflation. Therefore, the treasuries will lose. So I think that for the next few months is bad for treasuries either way. So we are probably very close to a treasury bear market. And this can be actually been seen because the dollar is down, the gold is up, and the stocks are up. Well, of course, you know, Lena, you and Roger are both traders, and so you tend to look at things in the short term, and today that's the case. Roger, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, we are seeing a weaker, a weaker dollar today, is that right? A weaker bond market again today? We've got a weaker dollar and a weaker bond market, and Lena got it absolutely correct. I totally agree with what she said. Uh, the, the, the long-term contract, the monthly, uh, the, with the very long channel of several years from back from 90, 92, 93, all the way to the present, um, the price just generally was steady and uphill. And, and then, as Lena said, we had a false breakout. And then what happened here, I'm looking at fresh numbers on the chart today on the monthly. And on the monthly chart, uh, from the beginning of the month until today, we are down 3.28 points, which is a dramatic drop. And that, that is because of that false breakout that Lena mentioned. Also, another key point here, the price at 119.31 has broken key resistance, I should say key support at 120, mm -hmm. and is now under both the 6- and 10-day uh, exponential moving average. Uh, in, the, in the weekly chart, the bonds are under the 17-day and the 43-day, and on the daily chart, uh, it looks even worse in that it's under all three moving averages, and not only that, but the price on the daily, Jay, is resting right on the bottom of the lower channel. It's wow. right on it at 119.31. I think that channel is going to give us support, and you could get a bit of a bounce back. Mm -hmm. But the momentum is flat to down sideways, and if that lower channel support line breaks on the daily, I think that's the first big clue that we're on our way down further. So you both uh, you, you both see technical weakness there as well as fundamental weakness for the uh, for the bond market for the treasury market uh, in the in the short term as well as the longer term. Am I reading you correctly? Absolutely, absolutely correctly, Jay. Yes. Um, okay. So what um, is it time to go out and buy uh, say some instrument to short the long term treasury market? Either of you? I would, would say go. Yeah, it is. We've had the. Um, an ETF, TBT, which is a one-for-one one, uh, short. We got in early. Uh, mm -hmm. we, it went negative against us for a period of time, but now I, we should be close to being in the green. And considering the fact that that's, this trade is going to be a very long investment as opposed to a daily trade, it could be a daily trade and an investment, but in the ETF it's an investment. Um, my, my recommendation to our people was to just buy it and hold it. Uh, Lena, what are your thoughts? Would you short the long treasury, or isn't that your game? Um, I think I would. I think I, I would do it more fundamentally rather than technically because there is a lot of risk to the downside because of these latest auctions by the Federal Reserve that they're trying to put more money in the system. And I think there is going to be a, a time that investors will flee away from the treasuries because of the fear of what's going to happen with the debt. And I, obviously, you know, I do more short-term trading. However, if I was going to do long-term, I would like to be at the right side of the market, and that would be short and not long because if you're caught, as you know very well, Jay, uh, on the wrong side, then 
you know, this is not very good, especially with the current market conditions. Well, we're certainly seeing, uh, we know that the, that these bond markets go in, you know, they, it's like turning a super tanker around, basically. I mean, this bull market in bonds started in 1982. It's been a marvelous bull market. And interestingly enough, you could have made more money, uh, as documented by, um, by O'Higgins in uh, beating the Dow with bonds. You could have made it a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot more money in the bond market being long in bonds than during, in the stock market, believe it or not. And uh, that's something I want to write about in my newsletter again because it's an amazing fact. But, uh, you know, certainly if you can get it right, it's yeah. sort of a gift that can keep on giving, it seems to me. If we can be on the right, you know, on the, on the short side of the bond market when this thing starts to tank and go over. Exactly. The only question in my mind is, is it going to tank? Because, uh, you know, as Bob Hoy points out, the senior currency always remains strong in these credit contractions. And, of course, as Ian Gordon will counter that, though, in a discussion we had with him a few weeks ago, Ian suggests that that's not necessarily true because you have these major changes, uh, these nation-changing uh, events, as, as, as McHugh talks about, that can really uh, change the scenario. So, for example, the, the U.K. lost its primacy and the United States took over, so it didn't hold true at one point in the cycle. We only have about a minute left. I should just mention, I talked to Chen Lin a little bit before we came on the show here today, and Chen pointed out another way to, to short the bond market or to play the same game is essentially to be long in the inflation plays. So, you know, you maybe can be long in some of the uh, the copper stocks, the uh, the energy stocks and so forth, uh, is just maybe another way of of, uh, of playing the same uh, the same um, the same dynamic because if we start to have a lot of inflation, then we're going to yeah. see at some point we're likely to see the bond markets decline very dramatically. Do both of you agree with that? I agree with that. And as I said before, the inflation um, uh, danger is real and it, it's unavoidable if the uh, U.S. government starts to print money. And I think that in order to deficit, to, to feed this deficit, this huge deficit, something must be done. And inflation is always back at the traders' minds. Well, that's about all the time we have right now before our next break. Thank you, Lena, for coming on. I should mention that Lena's website is spikecharts.com and Roger Wiegan can be can learn more about his work at webeatthestreet.com. Thanks both of you for coming on today. We're Thank going you, to Jay. come on the uh, we're coming up on the station break here, the commercial break. Uh, we're going to have Chris Powell of the Gold the Gold Antitrust Action Committee come on coming on next to tell us a little bit about uh, well, I should say quite a lot about why he's convinced uh, that the gold markets have been manipulated for those folks that are behind the Federal Reserve Bank. So don't go away. Stay, stay there, and we'll be right back. Thanks, Jay. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, 
Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Business Owners Speak fills a long-neglected niche in the national media coverage of American business. The myriad of challenges and opportunities facing small business owners and entrepreneurs are addressed at ground level in a positive, business-like manner. We face the realities of meeting payroll and being completely dependent upon the success of a business for which we alone are responsible. So loosen your tie, business owner, bring along your own experiences, and log on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to Taylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. I am Jay Taylor, your host, turning hard times into good times, and I'm delighted to have Chris Powell of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee with me uh, here today. I've known Chris for a number of years, uh, almost since the inception of GATA, uh, quite a few years ago now, Chris. But uh, Chris has been a, a career journalist since graduating from high school in 1967 at the University of Connecticut from 67 to 72. He worked in the production, circulation, and news departments at the journal's Inquirer. He left the University of Connecticut a semester short of graduation to work for the newspaper full-time as a news reporter, wire editor, and news editor. He became managing editor and editorial page editor in 1974. He um, then became the secretary and treasurer and co-founder, along with Bill Murphy, of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, uh, for which we have uh, often uh, Chris often speaks at conferences, and I must say I'm delighted uh, frequently to be on panel discussions with Chris and, and or Bill Murphy and other members uh, or people who are sympathetic with the Gold Antitrust Action Committee and its work. 
Chris, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hey, Jay. Thanks for uh, having me here. Well, I'm really glad that you could come on today. The Gold Antitrust Action Committee is often talked about as being a nutty conspiracy theory organization, but really, frankly, and I know I've known you guys for some time, you like to say that you're really about, um, really more about a public records organization. You're, you guys do a lot of research into what is public information and make that available to the public. Um, is that not what you're all about? Yes, Jay. Um, we uh, we focus on public uh, policy and the public record behind that uh, public policy, and we we don't need to uh, get into much hypothesis and uh, uh, really speculation, though it's fun to do sometimes, um, because we believe we we have enough public record to to show that there is a coordinated uh, policy among the Western central banks to uh, suppress the gold price. It's a matter of of public record, it has been admitted by certain officials uh, here and there. You just have to go looking for it, and uh, unfortunately, it's just very difficult to get the uh, uh, establish, uh, establishment financial media to uh, to cover it. But it's it's right out in the open if anybody wants to look at it. Well, I want to get into some of the facts that uh, GATA and your army of people actually. You've got a lot of people besides you and Bill Murphy who have who have lent lent a hand to GATA in in digging and research and so forth. That have uh, you know facts that have been uncovered, and I want to get into some of those facts as many as we have time for today. But I want to ask you, and I have to ask you first before we get started, why did you and Bill Murphy start GATA? What was what really drove you to do so? Because it's been a, quite an effort. Oh, it was kind of accidental as so many things are, Jay. I uh, was uh, looking in the late 1990s for contrarian investment opportunities, and I happened to uh, come across a copy of Jim Blanchard's gold newsletter, and he seemed to be saying that uh, gold had been beaten down pretty far, and I had heard somebody say buy low and sell high. Uh, at the same time, I, uh, I bumped into Bill Murphy's uh, Internet site, uh, lametropolecafe.com, which uh, started in, I guess, late 1998, and mm-hmm. he was always uh, complaining about uh, <clears throat> what looked like manipulation in the uh, in the gold market, collusion to keep the price down. And I had had a little experience at my newspaper with antitrust law because we'd had to be involved in various antitrust suits against. Uh, some chain-owned papers as we were getting started, and uh, I knew something about antitrust law, and so I wrote Murphy a letter one day saying I was getting tired of his complaint because if uh, what he was complaining about was true and the circumstantial evidence certainly suggested as much, it was all against uh, the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act and 50 state antitrust acts, and instead of complaining every day about it, somebody ought to uh, start a committee and hire a lawyer on a contingency basis and sue the bastards. And if... uh, uh, somebody wanted to start such a committee. I told Murphy I'd uh, pledge $500 uh, to help start it up, and he thought that was a good idea, and uh, we were on our way. Well, that's really interesting, and uh, you know, I want—I I, like I say, I want to get into some of these things. I, I hate to to read things on the on the show. I'd rather have my guests talk. But Chris, I'd like to start out our conversation today a little bit with a couple of quotes from Alan Greenspan because I think it lays the groundwork. For the uh, let's say for the purpose of manipulating the gold markets and and you know the reasons that that, that it's being done. Um, so let me just start out with uh, this. The first quote is from Alan Greenspan in his article that he wrote a little essay in Golden uh, called Golden Economic Freedom, published in Ayn Rand's Objectivist back in July of 1966. 
and I quote Greenspan, he says, the abandonment of the gold standard in 1971 made it possible for the welfare statist to use the banking system as a means of an unlimited expansion of credit. The holder of a government bond or a bank deposit created by paper reserves believes that he has a valid claim on a real asset, but the fact is there are now more claims outstanding than real assets. In the absence of the gold standard, there is there is no way to protect savings from confiscation through inflation. There is no safe store of value. If there were, the government would have to make its holdings illegal, as was done in the case of gold. If everyone decided, for example, to convert all their bank deposits to silver or copper or gold or any other good, and thereafter declined to accept checks as payments for goods, bank deposits would lose their purchasing power and government and government created bank credit would be worthless as a claim on goods. The financial policy of the welfare state requires that there be no way for the owners of wealth to protect themselves. This is the shabby secret of the welfare state's triades against gold. Deficit spending is simply a scheme for the hidden confiscation of wealth. Gold stands in the way of this insidious process. It stands as a protector of property rights. If one grasps this, one has no difficulty in understanding the statist antagonism towards the gold standard, end of quote. Then, uh, more recently, Chris, uh, as you're well aware of, Greenspan said, as Fed chairman, he said, central banks stand ready to lease gold in increasing quantities should the price begin to rise. So from those quotes, I have two questions for you to start our conversation. Isn't Mr. Greenspan providing a motive for policymakers to manipulate gold? that being to keep the public disinterested in the yellow metal uh, and in believing in paper, in essence. And the second question is, didn't he acknowledge that policy was to carry out price manipulation of the gold markets and hence to deceive the people? Uh, you know, when, didn't he acknowledge, in effect, that the, that the government was doing that when, they, when he said that they would uh, drive the price down if it started to rise? Yeah, the, the early uh, Alan Greenspan, uh, I think, could be a hero to uh, a lot of gold bugs uh, that uh, excerpt you read from his Golden Economic Freedom essay is basically a restatement of uh, Von Mises' uh, uh, famous comments on, on gold being the protector of property and, and individual uh, liberty. Um, yeah, the, the interesting thing about Greenspan is, is that he uh, both laid out very eloquently the, uh, the, the, the rationale for, for government to want to interfere in the gold market to to rig the gold price, and then uh, admitted it many years later, I guess uh, more than 30 years later, when he was uh, became chairman of, Fed, of the Federal Reserve and, and testified to uh, to Congress in, uh, in 1998 and acknowledged that uh, the purpose of central bank gold leasing was not what the central banks were always telling people to earn a little interest on a supposedly dead asset, but rather uh, the purpose of central bank gold leasing was to suppress the price uh, and of course, it was for uh, all the reasons that uh, Greenspan himself had uh, laid out in that famous essay 30 years earlier. Well, Chris, uh, I know that you have loads and loads of things to talk about. What evidence do you have? And I don't know if you know where to start on this, because I think, uh, as I've uh, been a reader of GATA over the years, I know that you've got mountains of evidence. But where would you like to start? What? In addition to Greenspan's remarks, that central banks stand ready. Well, the first thing I try to impress upon people is that uh, uh, government meddling with the gold price 
is simply a fact of history. Uh, it has been going on since gold became money. Um, the uh, the gold standard was a uh, government intervention in the in the market. It was the government fixing the exchange rate of its uh, currency to a certain weight of of gold. Uh, when that uh, fell by the wayside because uh, government had uh, expanded the money expanded the money supply too much to uh, keep keep uh, limited with the gold supply, uh, you had. Uh, Interventions like the uh, the famous London Gold Pool of the 1960s, in which the uh, U.S. Treasury and uh, the Bank of England uh, had a coordinated scheme of disordering gold in London to try to maintain the price at $35 an ounce, which was the official U.S. dollar uh, convertibility price. Now, the London Gold Pool was operated in the open. It was a it was a matter of public record. It was the mechanism by which the United States and Great Britain tried to uh, contain the gold price. Uh, there was no dispute about it. It was it was on the record. It, it blew up in I believe August 1968 because too many people were taking too much gold because they didn't believe the dollar was uh, worth 35 dollars in, uh, in gold. They believed uh, gold was worth a lot more. Uh, so we we know as a matter of public record right up to uh, 1968, uh, the the Western governments, particularly the United States and Great Britain, were rigging the gold price. Uh, they've done it as a matter of historical record. It's it's really after 1968 and after 71 when the United States uh, refused to uh, uh, provide gold to foreign holders of, of dollars that the, the whole scheme became uh, a little more surreptitious. And yet, uh, if you look for documents in the right places, you can you can find that uh, Western central banks and their officials have admitted that the scheme has has continued. Um, now, they're not admitting it. Now, are they, the they're denying Council, it. They're denying the Federal it. Open it Market Committee, which is the Federal Reserve, uh, made a remark at the uh, FOMC meeting in January 1995 that was captured in the uh, the agency's minutes. Uh, disclosing that uh, the uh, United States government uh, for some years had been involved in gold swaps uh, with other central banks. So the only purpose of gold swaps is uh, to uh, intervene in the uh, gold market through intermediaries so that the uh, uh, real party of interest is is not necessarily identified. That's in the uh, Federal uh, Open Market Committee minutes of uh, January 95. That's posted on the Fed's Internet site. Mm. You've got uh, Greenspan's own uh, testimony to Congress in um, the summer of 1998 in which he, he said that the gold leasing going on in the world at that time was meant to suppress the, uh, the gold price. You've got the Washington Agreement of the uh, Western European Central Banks in, in 1999, which was a, a proclamation that the Western Central Banks uh, were uh, uh, managing the gold price. Now, they put it in a way that uh, they maintained to be, uh, uh, they, they maintained they were supporting the gold price. Uh, we put a different construction on that for reasons I won't get into right here because they're not important at this point. But nevertheless, uh, there was this open uh, proclamation by the Western European Central Banks in Washington uh, under the auspices of the United States government in 1999 that they would coordinate their sales and leasing in order to uh, regulate the gold price. So we know the central banks in 1999 are still involved in the, in the gold market. Uh, their motives and purposes we can, we can debate, but nevertheless, there's another proclamation that they're involved in it. Uh, in uh, 2003, the... Uh, 
biggest gold mining company in the world, uh, Barrick Gold, which is also the uh, main short uh, of gold, uh, filed a motion in U.S. District Court in, in New Orleans in response to an antitrust lawsuit brought against it and its uh, bullion bank, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, the suit was brought by Blanchard uh, Coin and Bullion, complaining that uh, Barrick was was rigging the gold price. And in defense, uh, Barrick filed this motion in U.S. District Court in New Orleans in 2003, uh, seeking the dismissal of uh, Blanchard's lawsuit on the grounds that. Uh, it, Barrick, was the agent of the central banks in regulating the gold price. And Barrick maintained that the central banks were the real party of interest in the gold price rigging lawsuit, that the central banks had to be made uh, defendants in the uh, lawsuit for the case to be de- to tried uh, fairly, uh, that uh, the central banks had sovereign immunity against lawsuit, and that uh, Barrick, as their agent, in rigging the gold price should share that sovereign immunity and that the lawsuit should be dismissed. Uh, that uh, lawsuit, uh, I'm sorry, that uh, motion, uh, which we call Barrick's Confession, uh, was a public document. We continue to post it on our own Internet site. There's stray references like the uh, annual report for the Reserve Bank of Australia in 2003, which uh, uh, acknowledged very candidly that the only reason uh, that uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia held gold reserves was for the purpose of currency market intervention. Um, it was a speech by uh, William S. White, who was then head of the Monetary and Economic Department for the Bank for International Settlements, which is the central bank of the Western Central Banks, and he gave a speech at uh, uh, a BIS conference in Basel, Switzerland, in 2005, uh, in which he uh, said that uh, uh, one of the major purposes of uh, uh, central bank uh, cooperation was uh, was rigging the gold market. Uh, I think I've got his uh, uh, comment uh, here in front of me. Uh, uh, oh, he was talking about the, the the five major purposes of central bank uh, uh, cooperation, mm-hmm. and it was uh, the provision of uh, uh, credits and foreign exchange and uh, and gold. Uh, to uh, influence uh, uh, asset prices, and he said particularly uh, particularly gold, and in uh, circumstances where that might be thought useful. Now, there's uh, an official of the Association of Central Banks. And what did, when was this, Chris? When he gave that speech in uh, 2005, and we've posted that on our internet site. But mm-hmm. there you have a, a spokesman for the world's, or the Western European central banks, anyway, and the North American central banks is is saying that intervention in the gold market was one of the major purposes of uh, international central bank uh, cooperation. Uh, Paul Volcker, the uh, former uh, Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, wrote in uh, memoirs that have really not been fully published, but excerpts were published in a in a Japanese uh, news magazine some years ago. Uh, Volcker uh, remarked uh, that uh, intervention in the gold market to keep the price down should have been undertaken uh, during a, a particular international currency revaluation. So that shows that, mm-hmm. you know, here's one head of the Federal Reserve who uh, who contemplated uh, intervention in the gold in the gold market to, to, to rig the market. Uh, perhaps most uh, explosive and and, uh, and recent, um, a uh, a long memorandum uh, dated April 1961 was recently discovered in the archive of William McChesney Martin, who was the longest-serving chairman of the Federal Reserve Board back in, I guess, the 60s and, and 70s. Uh, and this uh, this memo is a uh, very 
vast and uh, and detailed plan of, uh, of of rigging the markets. Um, uh, it uh, talks uh, about uh, uh, the United States government having a plan to intervene surreptitiously in the currency and gold markets to support the dollar and to conceal, obscure, and falsify even U.S. government records or withdraw them from publication so that the intervention in the currency and gold markets would not be discovered. And, and the wonderful thing about this memo, it's, it's very detailed, very, very thought out. Um, it's, it's in the archive of the former Fed chairman, Martin, and to this day it is posted on the Internet site of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Uh, of course, we've made copies of it in case it should be removed from the Internet. But, you know, here is the blueprint yeah. for the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department to be surreptitiously, not openly as in the old days, but to be surreptitiously rigging the currency and the gold markets to support the dollar, presumably as a matter of, of, of national security. Uh, these are public records. Uh, yeah, they yeah. set out, you know, not only the rationale, but the detailed scheme of this surreptitious intervention. Now, yep. we know that the, the Western Central Banks used to rig the gold price openly. Mm -hmm. Why is it such a stretch to suggest, uh, amid all this evidence, that they're doing it surreptitiously? Well, uh, Chris, this raises an interesting question. Why in the world you have all of this evidence, even on their, even on their websites, that they've been... I guess maybe they don't use the word manipulation or rigging, but they say managing the gold price, which is the same thing in my way of thinking. Of course. Why, um, you know, and yet, you know, in Reginald Howe, a lawsuit against a, a number of these players uh, by Reginald Howe, uh, you know, they deny it. They say we have the right to do it, but we haven't done it. We don't, we don't interview. Well, actually, you know, let, let me interrupt you. I'm sorry, yeah. Jay, uh -huh. but in the Howe case, uh -huh. um, Reg's lawsuit got dismissed on jurisdictional technicality, but right. it did, uh, release uh, a lot of interesting information, and I attended the the sole hearing in that case in U.S. District Court in in Boston. I think it was back around 2003, uh, it was 2002. But um, there were a lot of assistant U.S. attorneys there, and uh, one of them uh, said that uh, uh, the uh, U.S. government, while not uh, necessarily acknowledging Howe's complaint. Uh, that the government did claim the power to do what Howe complained of. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you know, so why is it such a stretch? I mean, why, why are, are, you know, we regarded as, uh, uh, you know, these conspiracy theory nuts uh -huh. when you've got the government saying, claiming it has the power to do it, and you've got all these documents uh, saying that they are doing it. But, Chris, you're not, you're not believing the government is telling the truth. That's your problem. Yes, uh, that is exactly. Uh, I mean, the why problem. would you doubt and, you know, that the government's not going to? Our joke for the last year, Jay, has I been mean, that uh, uh, you know to believe that the, uh, the U.S. government is not rigging the gold and silver markets, uh, right. not trying its best to rig the gold and yeah, silver markets. I, I mean, I can't understand why you're not believing the government is truthful in this issue. Well, you know, today, you know, if, if you don't think the government's rigging the, the gold and silver markets, you have to believe those are the only markets the U.S. government is not trying to, to rig because. The government, of course, is, is now openly intervening in, in all these other markets. Um, and of course, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, I just don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Well, okay, well let's, uh, you know, I think you've, you've made a lot of good points with respect to the, uh, establishing the fact that um, almost certainly, and I would say certainly, the gold markets are managed, if you want to use that word, rather than manipulated. And in, a, in the end, Chris, I think you would agree with me, 
that markets are bigger than government. And in the end, you know, like Pinocchio's nose got so long that it could no longer be hidden, the lies of the government will be so large that they can no longer be hidden as well. So this leads me to my next question. With respect to the gold hoard that the United States is supposed to have, which we claim to have, do you believe the gold that we claim to have is in Fort Knox? Now, I know that we have not had an audit of the gold of our gold hoards since the Eisenhower years. Of course, they keep reporting it on the balance sheet of the Fed, right, the Treasury, the Fed, I guess. And So is it there or isn't it there? And we store it at, at uh, supposedly at uh, Fort Knox, at the Federal Reserve Bank in New York, and in, uh, at West Point. Uh, I know that James Turk and other members, people that have done a lot of work on behalf of GATA, have, have tried to delve into this. What is the thinking of GATA at this point in time with respect to the amount of gold that we're that we that our government reports that we have well i guess first jay you know the the, the straight answer is we don't know uh you know we know what the government claims to have uh, what it actually has is is something else it's not only uh the matter of the failure to audit the uh the reserves in a public manner in 50 years there's uh, also some a problem more recent than that and that is uh last year got a uh, sent freedom of information requests to the Fed and the Treasury uh, for access to their documents about the gold reserve, and we were we were denied. Um, we've resubmitted those requests, expanded them uh, a few weeks ago in light of the new president's uh, declaration that he wants the government to be a lot more open, mm-hmm. and we've not uh, gotten any uh, response there. But um, it's not just the lack of, a, of an audit. It's that the Fed and Treasury are actively refusing to disclose documents about the U.S. gold reserve. And I think one has to uh, inevitably draw the conclusion that something is wrong with the U.S. gold reserve because the documents about it are being withheld from public view. Uh, Now, I'm not uh, saying that there's no gold at Fort Knox or there's no gold at the New York Fed. In fact, some people occasionally are given tours at the New York Fed, and it uh, does seem to have gold down in the... uh, uh, the basement vault. Uh, I don't know anybody who's been to the West Point depository, but I think the bigger question is, is not whether there's gold uh, in the U.S. depositories. I think the bigger question is uh, who has claim to ownership of that gold. Since uh, the Fed uh, Open Market Committee uh, minutes of 1995 say the United States has been involved in gold swaps, I think it's a very good chance that uh, a lot of the U.S. gold reserve has been swapped with the uh, gold uh, owned by uh, Western Central Banks, the gold that has been uh, sold or leased into the market to suppress the price, and okay. that the the gold held in the U.S. Reserve has uh, very likely uh, got a claim, an ownership claim, by a foreign central bank to it. And okay, Chris, we're, we're uh, we only had about a minute left here, so I've got to ask you, and just, this has gone so fast. It's always the same with my guests here. We don't have enough time. What do you think people should be doing right now, given uh, the situation, the exploding budget deficit that the United States has, the financing of trillions of dollars? You know, they don't want us owning gold. I think you and I agree with that. And they're trying to hide the facts with respect to gold as much as possible. I think you and I are agreement on that. What should people be doing for their own safety right now? Well, my my joke, Jay, has been that uh, people should get as much uh, real gold and silver as they can and then find a safe planet to keep it on. (laughs) I wish I knew which planet that was. Well, um, I guess we'll have to leave it at that, Chris. I'm sorry we don't have more time. I wanted to ask you a bunch of questions of why it is that people have such a difference of, of views on the gold market in spite of the fact that we have all of these 
facts to look at. But uh, in any event, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope we can continue this sometime in the future. Of course, I'll be right back. We're going to talk about how to invest in light of the current economic uh, situation. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back with you in one minute. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Duglin. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. 
Welcome back. I am Jay Taylor. Uh, this week we were not able to have Chan Lin with us, given certain time considerations, but I just wanted to mention before I provide a bit of a wrap-up on where I think the market is and where we need to be to protect ourselves, uh, I just want to mention uh, Chen has come out with a couple of new exciting ideas. First of all, last week he closed out his uh, position with U.S. Steel, uh, and on the options made about 50% in four trading days. Not too bad. Congratulations, Chen, on that one. Uh, now, on Friday, he put out to his subscribers a new uh, stock pick, uh, and it is called Ithaca Energy, IAE is the symbol, IAE on the uh, Venture Exchange in Canada. He put it out at uh, the buy recommendation at 63 cents. It's now trading, I think it closed today at around 70 cents, uh, or that's where it was last when I when I saw it earlier in the day. This is an oil and gas producer uh, from the North Sea, and uh, they should be producing about 8,000 barrels of oil a day is the way it looks. Uh, should be selling, uh, currently selling at about one times projected cash flow. Uh, and the rumor, uh, the rumor that's circulating is that they're about to come out either after the close of business today or tomorrow with an announcement of um, of increased uh, production and something on the order I'm hearing of 13,000 barrels of oil a day. I don't know if it's true. Please don't go and, and bet the ranch on the basis of a rumor. Uh, but this is a company that is, uh, you know, selling at one times cash flow, uh, at, with oil at 50, uh, or $60 a barrel. And so, you know, Chen comes up with these things from time to time. And if you, and you get a good spike on the price, uh, you know, take a profit. That's what Chen's all about. I would encourage you to take advantage of a special offer from Chen. $39 will get you a one-month uh, trial to Chen if you have not already tried it. You should call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, and he'll, um, you know, he'll take your order for a $39 one-month trial to Chen's newsletter, which is called, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? All right, let's uh, try to summarize what we've talked about. Of course, we talked uh, with Chris Powell and the Gold Antitrust Action Committee and the evidence that the uh, ruling elite are doing their best to keep people's minds off of gold and to keep them confident or conned, if you will, into paper money, to hold paper money because, let's face it, the ruling elite, that is the banking system, is able to create their inventory out of thin air with some mere strokes of the computer key keyboard, they can create money. That's how money is created these days. It's not real. It's fictitious. It's fantasy. But it's what we're used and what we're being conned into using, in fact, being forced into using, hence the name fiat money rather than real commodity money. So that is a reality. And, and understanding that allows you to prepare yourself longer term for the future and, and where we're going and where the markets are heading. Uh, but I'd like to get back to the issue that Roger and uh, Lena and I talked about earlier in the day and that uh, in the program, and that has to do with the bond market. You could say that there are three stages of the crisis that we're in right now. First was the debt crisis of last fall, you know, when the Lehman Brothers failure occurred. And, of course, the clouds were rolling over the horizon long before that happened. But when Lehman Brothers fell, the market seized up. We had a credit seizure, the likes of which we haven't seen perhaps ever in this country. Next came an economic collapse. And this is resulting really from an over-indebted consumer, consumer that supposedly uh, com uh, comprises about 70% of our GDP. So the consumer for years and years had been taking out credit, given new credit cards, 
taking out money out of the supposed equity that was in his homes, which, of course, uh, the, the homes became more and more overpriced. The, that equity became more and more fictitious, just as the money that it was based on is fictitious. And so the consumer got himself into debt way over his head. Now, all of a sudden, the economy starts to collapse. The consumer has got no more credit cards. Meredith Whitney talks about the credit cards being taken away, credit lines being taken away from consumers. We're losing jobs at least at 600,000 a month or more, whereas we need to have 100,000 or 150,000 jobs, as Ms. Shedlack told us uh, the other week, just to stay even in the United States. So the consumer is key to this, to this economy, and the consumer is flat on his back. The retail markets, the department stores are in big, big trouble. We're going to see another wave, I think, of commercial real estate declines very, very shortly. But the third and possibly the most important leg down here, uh, and, the, and what could be extremely devastating, I think, is the treasury bond market, and that's what Roger and Lena and I were talking about. I want to stay focused on the treasury market because the U.S. has to raise trillions of dollars to finance the bailouts of everybody and their uncle all these corporations, most of all the banks, because remember, the banks are really in charge. They're the ones that own the politicians. Again, go back to the creature from Jekyll Island and read up on that and understand who really runs America, who is the power behind the throne, who really is pulling our president's, uh, making our president uh, do what he does. Uh, so we we want to really keep our eyes on the bond market. And last Thursday, the bond market was really weak. And as Roger told us today, it's it's weak again. The Chinese, are they pulling away from the American market? Well, in absolute numbers, they've been buying as many bonds as they ever bought in dollars, in dollar terms. But remember, in fact, they've been buying a little more than they've bought in the past. But remember that the surge in demand or the surge in uh, in borrowing needs by the Treasury for these trillions of dollars of bailouts is growing very, very rapidly. So the Chinese are showing all kinds of evidence that they're sick of it. They're not going to continue playing this game. They'll probably continue investing as much as they have to to try to keep the dollar from falling out of bed, to try to keep the bond market from going completely nuts. Uh, but they are showing signs. And so we had a recent uh, announcement of a deal between Brazil and China, whereas China and Brazil will use their own currencies in trade rather than the U.S. dollar. Likewise, Argentina and Brazil have their own agreement, which they will use their currencies rather than the U.S. dollar. We're seeing you know, discontent from the Russians as well. Lots of different countries around the world, especially those that aren't terribly close to us geopolitically, are showing signs of wanting to see and openly stating that they want to see the dollar replaced as the world's reserve currency. So all of these are, are things that are, these are clouds that are gathering on the horizon. The main point to keep in mind is that ultimately the creditors are in charge. And the United States has been very arrogantly suggesting that China has no place to go. They have to keep buying our treasuries. Well, they don't have to keep buying our treasuries, and ultimately they won't buy our treasuries, especially as we're issuing more and more debt. Uh, ultimately, there is nothing behind that, as Alan Greenspan said in 1966. There's nothing behind the dollar no real asset value there to justify continuing uh, to buy them. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if the dollar was on its own, uh, if we weren't a global economy, it would collapse. But we are, and other countries are also issuing their paper. They're printing money as well in a sort of a, a global beggar-thy-neighbor situation, very similar to what we had in the 1930s. I'm not absolutely sure that we're going to have a collapse of the bond market anytime soon. I think that may not happen. I think Catherine Austin Fitz's 
slow burn is very much a reality. Uh, and we're going to have to, though, for the meantime, continue to invest in gold and gold shares. And as long as our inflation deflation watch continues to show inflation, we're going to keep prospering in the energy plays, uh, the uranium plays, gold and gold mining shares. Uh, that's for sure. We're doing very well with that, and we think uh, they should continue to perform well no matter what. Uh, next week, we're going to have another exciting guest. I'm not quite sure who it's going to be yet. We may interview some CEOs of some of my favorite gold mining companies, or we could have Catherine Austin Fitz or Mark Faber or Bob Hoy back with us. In any event, we look forward to having you come back. Uh, look at my website, miningstocks.com. Call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, for a trial subscription to my newsletter as well, J. Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Uh, and in any event, until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.